Before we start the program, I want to introduce you to an event that's coming up this August. The Loma Linda Institute of Worship is offering a worship leadership certificate to help leaders and pastors take their congregation's worship experience to the next level. This August 9-12 through 12 event will include presenters Randy Roberts, Adriana Pereira, Nicholas Zork, Wayne Buckner, Richard Hickam, and more, and provide the opportunity to perform on stage with Steve Green and the Heritage Singers. Come sing, pray, write new music, share testimonies and resources, and grow together with like-minded worship leaders from across the world. Go to LLIW.net to register. This morning, our plan was to begin a series of sermons entitled Eyewitness, Stories from Christ's Passion. As we move into the spring of the year, Christ's followers' thoughts around the world turn to Christ's passion. And so we were going to begin a journey, a journey with some of the different eyewitnesses to the passion of Jesus. And then coronavirus came along. And after a great deal of consultation, listening, reading, praying, we decided to delay that series by a week. We decided that our church service would happen online and via broadcast. And we decided to turn our thoughts to a different theme for today. Now, our current plan is to begin eyewitness next Sabbath. But do stay tuned because right now things are changing quite quickly. So the question became, what do we do when in the air you can sense anxiety, worry, fear? It took me back to my days of working in the building not too far from here, Loma Linda University Medical Center, as a chaplain. And to an old story just read so well by Chris Stanley that I had grown up hearing Grown up listening to it, my mother's knee, listening to my dad preach, Sabbath school teachers, I read it myself. And yet it was in my chaplaincy years that it took on new meaning as I watched the storm blow in people's lives. I can remember Terry, 17 years old, a pain in his back, hospital, leukemia. I remember sitting at Terry's bedside the day the doctors said, there's nothing more we can do. You can go home. Storm. I can remember Debbie sitting at her bedside full of life, the future ahead, kids growing up, husband who loved her, and then the news. Your future is limited. I can remember being in the ER on New Year's Eve. It had been a New Year's Eve party. The kids had all come, and then some other kids had come, and that's when the fight began. And now here we were in the ER. The storm raging in several families' lives because of the deadly fight that erupted. And so it was walking the hallways of the medical center, feeling the spray in my face, the stiff wind at my back, the clap of the thunder, the flash of the lightning in people's lives, that I went back to again this old tale 
Since then, I've been back to it repeatedly. I want to go back to it again this morning because it has something for us. For those of us who now understand a bit about what COVID-19 means. So I want to read it just one more time, as familiar as it is, and ask if you would pay careful attention. Because what I discovered in my medical center years was that this story had some obvious elements that in all the other years of listening and reading I had missed. So just notice, back to Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 35. That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet! Be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I noticed as an adult, as a chaplain, that there were two very obvious questions that I ought to ask of the participants in that night's drama on the lake. Had missed them all those other years. Two very obvious questions. They are how could you kinds of questions. You know what kinds of questions those are. How could you questions, they're not really questions. They're more statements of blame. They're assigning blame to somebody, but they're disguised as questions, saying something's wrong here, and I think it's you. It's the kind of question the mother asks of her son. He proudly brings home his geography tests from school, says, Mommy, I got them all right except one. I almost had a perfect score. And the mother looks at the map of the United States where he's identified all the states except one. And she says, honey, how could you miss this one? That's California. That's where we live. How could you miss that? That's the kind of question. It's kind of a question a wife might ask of her husband. They're fixing the meal together for the guest who will arrive. And suddenly she says, I need eggs. Quick. I need them soon. Don't delay. Run down to the store and get them. So he races out. And the minutes tick by, and she's thinking, where is he? Where is he? Come on. And he finally comes back in. Sorry, ran into a friend. I really apologize. Okay, okay, where are the eggs? Eggs? Oh, I forgot. I got milk. I got cheese. I got butter. I got bread. No eggs. And she says, how could you? That's why I sent you. How could you? It's that kind of question that I would like to ask of that night's participants on the stormy lake. 
The first question I'd like to ask of the disciples. Now, having spent some time in the Gospels, I've learned, I've learned. I've learned that if you want to talk to the disciples, you'll probably end up talking to Peter. He's the one that has his mouth open much of the time. He's the one that asks questions no one dares and answers questions no one's asking. So I suspect I would end up in conversation with Peter. Here's what I would want to ask him. I would want to say to him, Peter, please tell me something. How could you? How could you possibly be afraid when Jesus was in the boat? How could you be afraid? You've already seen him do some miraculous things. You've been an onlooker as blind eyes have seen, as mute tongues have sung, as crippled legs have leaped. You've been a part of the meal when he has fed the hungry. Peter, you have seen this man do some amazing things. So let me ask you the obvious question. How could you be afraid when Jesus was in the boat? Now, I do wonder how Peter would answer that question. Do ask what Peter might say. Maybe Peter would say, well, Randy, Randy, please. Jesus is good at what he does. No question about it. When it comes to teaching, he has no colleague. When it comes to preaching, he has no peer. When it comes to healing, there is no other physician. He is the best at what he does. But Randy, the sea, <laughs> that's what we do. It's where we've spent our lives. We know this sea. It's our backyard. So we just knew when the storm came, we had to be the ones to face it. Maybe that's what Peter would say. Or maybe he would say, Randy, this sea is our backyard. We know exactly how to handle the storms. We know exactly how it works in this area of the world. We know how the winds can come screaming down the canyon gorges and whip the wind into a fury, whip the waves into a fury in no amount of time. And we know exactly what to do. You head the boat into the waves. You trim the sails. You get people bailing, others rowing. We know how to handle it. And we did all of that, did it to the very best of our abilities, and it still wasn't enough. We'd never seen anything like this. So I guess we just figured, if we, the men of the sea, can't deal with it, no one can. Maybe Peter would say that. Or maybe he would say, when the storm began, we did what fishermen and sailors do. And it got worse and worse and worse until, I'm ashamed to say it and embarrassed to admit it, until we were so caught up in our attempts to save ourselves, 
that we just forgot he was there. Desire of Ages, page 334. The sun had set, and the blackness of night settled down upon the stormy sea. The waves, lashed into fury by the howling winds, dashed fiercely over the disciples' boat and threatened to engulf it. Those hardy fishermen had spent their lives upon the lake and had guided their craft safely through many a storm, but now their strength and skill availed nothing. They were helpless in the grasp of the tempest, and hope failed them as they saw their boat was filling, absorbed in their efforts to save themselves. They had forgotten that Jesus was on board. Now, I've spent some time with the Gospels. Enough time to know that Simon Peter does not like to be backed into corners with how could you questions. If you corner him, protect your ears and run because he'll come out swinging. So I suspect, I suspect that Peter wouldn't let me just back him into that corner. I think he would say, now hang on a second, Randy. Wait, 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 wait. What, what do you mean, how could I? How about how could you? You're talking to me as though I'm the only one that's ever forgotten. Really? I've seen you on American Airlines flying into Dallas-Fort Worth Airport, and every time you do, you remember that airliner that hit wind shear and was slammed into the tarmac, and many died. Every time you fly in, Randy, I see you swallow every time you hit a bump. How could you be afraid, Randy? Doesn't Jesus fly American? I saw you this week clicking on your mouse, looking at the news, coughing a bit, and then getting scared. How could you be afraid? Doesn't Jesus... Walk the hallways with the scientists who help? How could you be afraid? Well, it's right about then that I say to Peter, all right, Peter, I'll cut you a deal, just you and me. I won't ask you any questions. You don't ask me any questions. Fine. So we've both forgotten. I, I, I'll accept that. But I do have a second question, a second person of whom I would like to ask a how could you question. I want to do it with respect, with all due respect, because the person of whom I want to ask it is none other than Jesus. But I do want to ask it. Now, I have to say, I've never been in a storm at sea. Closest I've been is whale watching off the coast of San Diego, and I did more feeding the fishes than I did seeing the fishes. 
Now, I've never been in a storm at sea, so I'm not quite sure what I would be doing if the storm was fierce and the boat was about to go down. I'd be panicking. I'm pretty sure of that. I'd be praying. I'm certain of that. I'd be praying and panicking. I might be doing something over the side. There are many things I might be doing in a storm at sea when the boat is about to go down. I'm not sure, but I can guarantee you one thing with no hesitation. If the storm is raging and the boat is about to go down, I guarantee you I would not be asleep. No way. Unequivocal. And so, Jesus, I just respectfully want to ask you how could you sleep? The boat's about to go down. How could you sleep? Now, I wonder what Jesus would say. Maybe he would say, well, Randy, you know, funny thing, ever since I was a kid, I was a deep sleeper. I mean, my mother, Jesus, get up, get, you're going to be late. Maybe he would say that. I doubt it. Or maybe he would say, Randy, re read the story. Read the day I had just had. A day filled with crowds and demands and people grabbing and calling out and ministry and changing lives. By the time my foot stepped into that boat, by the time my head hit that pillow in the stern, I don't think I would have awakened had the boat gone down. I was absolutely exhausted. Maybe he would say that. You know, there's something curious about Jesus when you read his story in the Gospels. Jesus had this way. Scholars tell us it was a rabbinical way of teaching often. Jesus certainly had it. He had this way of having somebody approach him, of listening thoughtfully to their question, when they had asked their question, then he would ask them a question. And when they answered, well, there's your answer. Jesus, should we pay taxes to Caesar or no? Taxes. <laughs> You're wondering about taxes. And so, does somebody have a quarter? Somebody have a dime? Somebody have a coin? There you go. Whose image is that? Caesar's. Well, there you go. Give to Caesar what's Caesar's, to God what's God's. Jesus, who gave you the authority to do what you're doing? Authority. You're asking me about authority. That's interesting. Let me ask you a question. John the Baptist, you remember him? Where did he get his authority? And they huddled. You know, if we say he got it from, no, 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 we can't do that, can't do that. If we say he got, no, 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 we can't do that, can't do that. Jesus, we don't know. <laughs> All right, I won't answer your question either. I mean, he had a way of doing that. And I come to him.
Jesus, how could you sleep when the boat is about to go down? Randy, let me ask you a question. You remember when you, as a teenager, lived with your family in Guadalajara, Mexico? I do. Do you remember those long drives between Guadalajara and Keene, Texas? I wish I could forget. Tell us about those drives. Well, my dad was the kind of person, the kind of man, that when he got behind the wheel of a car, he wanted to get there. Get there. Don't stop for, I mean, he had to stop for the border, but don't stop for anything. Maybe at times you get gas. Just keep driving. I have distinct memories, Jesus, of my mother and my sister saying, there's a restroom. And Dad said, oh, I hate to go back. There's bound to be another one just up the way. Because he always wanted to go and get there, it meant we drove on some very dangerous roads. Through the night, two-lane affairs, at times cattle, people, pedestrians, could be horrible crashes. Now, as long as it was daylight, my younger sister and I had ways to occupy ourselves in the back seat. We could do a lot of things. We could read, play games, or our favorite, fight. And, you know, the parents, stop that back. Don't make me stop this car. And I would draw the line, you know, don't cross that line or you won't live to see Texas. (laughs) We could do a lot of things as long as it was daylight. But Jesus, when the sun set in those years, no tablets, no smartphones, there was nothing to do. And it wasn't long before we slept through the night. And we would wake up hours later and hundreds of miles closer to our destination. And Jesus says, Randy, How could you sleep? Even as a teenager, you knew the danger of those roads. How could you sleep? I would say, Jesus, that's easy. My father was a good driver. I trusted him. And Jesus says, Yeah, mine too. He's a good captain of seas and of ships and of souls. Story is told of an elderly woman, World War II London. The city was being blown to pieces around her, and yet she seemed strangely at rest. A friend asked her, how are you so at peace? How do you sleep? City's being reduced to rubble. She said, well, it's like this. Every night before I get in bed, I kneel by my bed. I pray and I ask God to watch, to keep an eye on me. 
And then I figure there's no use both of us staying up, so I go to sleep. Now, right there, right there, right there is the best place to end. Say the benediction and go home. But there's something nagging at me. I can almost hear it over the airwaves. Somebody in a hospital room with a grim diagnosis, with a failing marriage, is now asking me a question, a how-could-you question. You're saying, Randy, how, how could you, how dare you? How could you, how dare you stand up there and suggest that we can rest in the care of God when the world is on fire around us? How could you do that? May, may I attempt an answer? It's an answer that comes from my seminary days. Sitting in the classroom of Dr. Abraham Terrian. Abraham Terrian. His wife's name was Sarah. He grew up in Jerusalem as a tour guide. I don't know how much more biblical you can get. Sitting in Dr. Terrian's class and having Dr. Terrian walk us through stories like this one. Reminding us that in the ancient world, the sea was the place of chaos, of darkness, of evil. They didn't know what was down there. Many superstitions grew up. And so in that boat, on that lake, that stormy night, certainly the disciples would have been wanting to physically survive, no question. But set against the backdrop of their day and time, there was a much bigger issue at stake. It was as though the very spiny, bony, translucent hand of evil wanted to thrust itself out of the deep and grab that boat in its grasp and plunge it into the depths. This was the war of the worlds, the conflict of the ages. Righteousness against evil. And then suddenly, in the midst of the fury, one stands. One stands in the boat, facing the evil that is thrust at him, the havoc that is wreaked upon him. And with one signal of his hand and one command from his lips, he says, Enough! Quiet! Be still. And like a mighty giant slowly crumbling to his knees, evil, the wind, the sea, obey. It was not that long later few months, Jesus faced another storm. This was the greatest storm 
the greatest storm human history has ever witnessed. His boat was a cross. His lake was a mountain. And it was there as he hung suspended between earth and sky because earth did not want him and heaven could not claim him that the boat in which Jesus was riding went down. And when it went down, it went all the way down, all the way to the deepest, darkest depths. But when it hit bottom, Jesus pulled the plug. He opened the drain. And that sea began to drain. So that one day, one that I believe was in the boat that night would write these words of a new day. And I, John, saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no more sea. Drain dry. So when you ask, how could you, Randy, suggest that we can rest our fears to the care of God? I guess with all humility, I would just say, how could I not preach it? Because the truth is simple. Because Jesus trusted, you can too. Because Jesus triumphed, we will too.